0: Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Parker touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is. What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here each and every day to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are staying with the draft because why wouldn't we? And staying with one of my favorite publications as we are joined by Pro Football Focus's lead draft analyst, Mike Renner. We talked about the best value at each. Dolphins pick throughout the first two days, where this class is strongest, weakest, most unique, and all kinds of valuable draft detail just three days away from the 2020 NFL Draft, plus the most unique stat that Mike thinks Pro Football Focus provides for this year's draft. All of that and more on this Monday, April the 20th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another And we're going to get to my interview here in just one second with Pro Football Focus's Mike Renner, but I want to talk about what I had in mind for interviewing him on this podcast because I think that Pro Football Focus provides such a unique perspective, whether it's the draft or NFL players alike. They do so many different things with their signature stats, advanced metrics, analytics, studying position groups and the impact of those groups on the league, the contract impacts. They really cover everything in the National Football League. And I think one of the things they do so well, for instance, is provide such proper context to what we're seeing on the field. You're going to hear Mike talk about what he believes is the most valuable metric that pro football focus provides. It was the ball placement accuracy measure for quarterbacks. You'll hear him talk about that. We'll talk about all the positions the Dolphins can attack in this draft, where they can get stronger, and really just the best time of the year, the best week of the year for football fans. All of that and more here on this podcast. Let's go ahead now and not waste any more time and get to Mike Renner of of Pro Football Focus. And joining the Drive Time podcast now is the lead draft analyst for Pro Football Focus, and you can find the PFF 2020 NFL Draft Guide right now at profootballfocus.com. He is Mike Renner. Mike, thanks for joining us today, man.
1: Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I got a chance to go over your guys' mega draft guide, a behemoth, 1,000 pages. And I it's, it's the best thing that comes out every year this time of year, in my opinion, man. So I'm really happy to have a chance to talk to you here. And we are finally here at Draft Week. The month's long process is about to finally meet its payoff. You've been studying this class for basically a year now. Compared to other classes to you, Mike, where would you say this class's strengths lie?
1: I think there's two positions that really jump out to me as being really strong. One's wide receiver. Obviously, I think everyone if you've heard anything about the drafts. You've probably heard that it just, I think there are seven guys in our top 25 players or wide receivers so over a quarter of our top 25 players are wide receivers and like 13 in the top 75. Maybe It's just a loaded class. However way you want to look at it. And whether you want? Like a number one type of wide receiver, like Jerry Judy or C lamb speed guys like Jalen Rager, Henry rugs. Like they got this class really has it all. So, Wide receivers, one, and the other one that's probably the best I've seen since we started grading college players back in 2014. So that'd be the 2015 draft. Is the tackle class? There's really, so I'd say four guys who I feel really good about them being good tackles in the NFL. You're lucky to get one in a class usually. One guy you feel like can be, you know, a starter from the rift. And so I think there's four of those in this class. And I think you might end up seeing something like seven go in the first round just because of how many talented guys there are. So it's a pretty ridiculous tackle and wide receiver
0: class. I was just tweeting earlier on Sunday about how there's this kind of fun pendulum in the NFL where things go one way and they come back the other way. And it seems like in recent years, several years now that the pass rushing group has really outweighed the offensive line group. And now this year we have an influx of tackles next year. There's a crop of guys coming in. that looks very good as well, but we'll go ahead and save that for another day and ask you comparatively speaking, what are some of the positions in this class that maybe haven't measured up to past classes in terms of the pre-draft grades?
1: I think it's the edge rushing class is really, to me, after Chase Young, you kind of just like put him aside Chase Young's kind of his own tier. The thing about, you know, pass rushers is usually you can tell the guys. The guys either have the athletic traits or the sort of on-field performance to win off the edge in the NFL. It's kind of an easy position to scout. And you see like a lot of the most talented guys in the NFL were first-rounders because they get identified and then you don't find a lot of guys later on in the draft.
0: He is Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus's lead draft analyst. And Mike, I told you this at the beginning, this 1,000-page behemoth that I think is both aesthetically pleasing as much as it is informative. And you guys give a bunch of great detail on the player strengths, the scouting reports, but you also have data unlike any other website or publication out there. In your opinion, what are some of the most telling advanced metrics you guys chart when it comes to evaluating these prospects and projecting them for production, like you mentioned, at the next level?
1: One of the favorite... My favorite things that we do in college is is ball placement charting not purely just uh you know was it completed or was it not where the ball was relative to where the quarterback wanted it to go and that's something that we th- think has been very helpful for us and it's just a very helpful tool of the evaluation process in terms of like you know how to being able to manipulate or not manipulate but being able to see what his you know true accuracy was and was he and at what levels of the football field was someone accurate?
0: We had an audio snafu right here, but Mike was talking about the number of times the percentages a quarterback misses an open receiver and how low those figures were for Burrow and Tungavailoa. Uh,
1: You know, Joe Burrow is at five sure. percent. You know, Tonga is at five percent. You have guys that most NFL quarterbacks are around. You know, well under ten percent. So that was what, obviously, not a massive sample size, but stuff like that that we chart on every play. I think can really sort of help help sort of put numbers to when you say a guy's accurate or a guy's inaccurate. You can't really, difficult to parse out levels of that when you say that, but it really, when you have a number like that, it, it helps to, uh, helps part of the evaluation.
0: Yeah, it's nice to give it a tangible metric because I think a lot of times you see accuracy as just completion percentage, and that's not the case because like you mentioned, a running back runs, let's say a flare route, and you put the ball on the inside hip or the inside shoulder, he then has to turn back inside, runs him yeah. right into the coverage, gets hit, maybe drops the football, maybe he doesn't have a chance to make a play after the catch, so good information there. You talk about the quarterbacks, that's always the group of players that everybody wants to talk about at the top of the draft this year. The Dolphins pick fifth in this year's draft, of course, 18th, 26th as well, but in terms of of the value at pick number five which players do you think in your opinion have the best value that could be on the board at pick number five
1: the best value I think it's going to be the tackle class is going to have the best value or possibly Tua a if he slips but I, I don't foresee him being on the board at number five I think someone's gonna to have to trade up to go get him if they want him. so uh or or if he does slip to five he's slipping like way down far because that means the medicals have come back and people aren't high in them, so I do think either tackle or, uh, you know, like I said, quarterback there to a time below. So, the tackle class is Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, I'm not sure you can really go wrong with those guys, they, they just all are super productive, already young, true juniors coming out, uh, you know, physical freaks of nature as well. So, they took a lot of the boxes for the position.
0: So, if you take any of those four tackles at pick number five, you're going to give it a good grade.
1: Yes, I would be giving that a good grade.
0: Would you Would you have a preference though? I gotta put your feet to the fire here. Who's your favorite one of the group?
1: Uh, Andrew Thomas. uh, So they're all within four spots. All three of them within four spots on our draft board. Thomas (laughs) being the first one off the board, though.
0: That's that's crazy. That's that's an interesting grouping you have there. That's a question I want to ask you about a little bit later on. Let's go ahead and get here now to the middle of the first round, though. Pick number eighteen, coming over from the Steelers in the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. In that range of this draft, where do you think the best value lies?
1: So I think around them is when the cornerbacks start to get valuable. You have guys like that. CJ Henderson will be off the board, but uh, Christian Fulton, Jalen Johnson, AJ Terrell, that kind of second tier after Jeff Dracuda, I think all really talented guys. I think wide receiver again is going to be talented uh, at that spot. You might have seen guys like Jerry, Judy, C. Lamb and uh, Henry Ruggs off the board already, but Jalen Rager, you know, LaVisca Chanel, Michael Pittman Jr., T. Higgins, Justin Jefferson, all those guys, I mean, will likely be on the board at 18. So I think that is another position where there's going to be value. And then after that, I'm not sure exactly uh, where the NFL is going to see the rest of this sort of linebacking core, but I do think. Guys like uh, Patrick Queen around then would be a good value as well.
0: Seemed like a good spot for those guys to come off the board. The receiver group, like you mentioned, could be a spot for a trade-up possibly. Dolphins do have the 26th pick in the first round, also part of the Laramie Tunzel and Kenny Stills trade. Back end of first round, where do you think the value lies there at pick 26?
1: That's what I think. I think it's still cornerback. It's still going to be it's a deep group in that range. And then also safety at that point. You have guys like Grant Delpit. Xavier McKinney, not sure where the NFL falls on these guys necessarily. I think, you know, just the NFL has kind of been low on safety in terms of the contracts they've been handing out in general the last few years. But I do think that McKinney and Delpit, the top two safeties on our board, all but both worthy of first-round selections. Then Ashton Davis, the Cal safety as well. He'd be the third safety cur- on our board. I think all those guys would make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to ask you about that because I've been watching a lot of the safety class as we get closer to the draft here. And as much as I love what some of these guys do, it seems like... When I watch a full game tape, for instance, there's maybe three or four plays where they're making an impact because they are 15 yards off the football. Does that kind of weigh into how they've been devalued in terms of contract and draft stock over the years?
1: I think so. I think that's a big part of it, is that a lot of times that sort of you know deep safety is often a placeholder. Yep. And it's more just you want a guy you can trust back there. Some teams will just you know want a guy who's familiar with their scheme that they can trust rather than maybe a playmaker, a guy who's going to make, you know, maybe a few splash plays a year, but then be out of position and give up a few as well. So um, I, I do think that, that what you ticked on hit on there in terms of just, it's difficult to evaluate also when you only get a handful of plays, do a handful of times to be involved in the action as well. So... I think it's a lot of those things combined as to why you see the NFL kind of low on safety.
0: And those guys do have an impact when they do make plays, or I should say when they are out there on Saturdays, the ones you mentioned, but the Dolphins also do have two second round picks this year and a pick in the third round. So three day two picks. What do you think some of the best values are in that portion of the draft?
1: I think you start to see defensive tackles. The day two ones seem a little bit better there. I think you'll see Ross Blacklock from TCU, Justin Matabuki, Texas A&M, maybe Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma, those guys all all sort of kind of do it all, can rush the passer. They're all athletic, but I think they all have some holes in their game right now that they're kind of, they're probably more second round sort of picks. So I think those three, uh, like I said, the defensive interior class value. And then again, wide receiver is just going to be pretty ridiculous all throughout day two. Uh, I'd imagine you can pick, get yourself a starter anywhere in that sort of range. And then uh, also the, I think the uh, linebacking class on day two is good too. Uh, I think there's a lot of athletic linebackers in this class after, you know, Isaiah Simmons, Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray, probably top three off the board, but still Jordan Brooks, really athletic dude, Texas Tech linebacker, Willie Gay, Mississippi State, he went sub four or five, Davian Taylor from Colorado, he went sub four or five. Like there's a lot of athletes at the linebacker position here in this year's draft.
0: The Dolphins do have several more picks as well on day number three as well, rounds four through seven. And doing one of your, or I guess doing a big board that has so many players on it, you're going to have guys that you like in that 100 through 200 range, so to speak. I actually listened to a Move the Sticks podcast earlier today, and they were talking about how it's not just that you love guys at the top of the draft. Some teams have guys they love that they think are going to be sixth or fifth round picks. So for Mike Renner, who are your favorite potential day three targets?
1: Yeah, that, that that is true. I mean, there are guys where you're like, yeah, he's a fourth-rounder, but damn, would I love to get yeah. him in the fourth round. I think one of those guys is Antonio Gibson from Memphis, running back. But he played kind of split time between running back and wide receiver there and didn't play a lot. So he only touched the ball 77 times his entire college career. But he broke 33 tackles on those 77, wow. ran <laughs> four three nine at the combine, and he's 6-foot, 200, 225 pounds. So this guy – a physical freak of nature. I'm not sure they knew what they had there at Memphis. And, well, he was behind Tony Pollard and Daryl Henderson anyway last year. So uh, I do think that he, if I'm getting him in the fourth round, that's one of the guys that I'd love to draft. this year.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Memphis has been turning out backs pretty much every single year, becoming a factory out there in the uh, Midwest, but Mike, we did pre- uh, positional previews day by day on this podcast for the last couple of weeks leading up to this draft, and I ask all my guests, and this is where that earlier question I kind of mentioned to you comes in, about the positional gluts that could come into play, kind of like how... How could certain positions that are good in certain areas have a negative impact where it kind of self-cannibalizes itself? For instance, the receiver class being so deep, but does that depth of the class hurt the value up top? Tell us which positions might have some gluts that could push some talent down the board in the draft.
1: Yeah, so I think, like I said, off the top, the wide receiver and tap classes are both special. In the wide receiver class, there's probably about there's two guys I think are special, and then there's probably about a tier with, like, 12 guys in that next tier. So I think you'll see those guys get pushed down because someone will pass saying, hey, I know I can get another similar talent in the next round, you know, a round later and not have to waste that. So I think wide receivers, one where guys could get pushed down. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think where else. I think safety is as well because I think the talent on day two There's a lot of guys that are somewhat similar. Uh, and so I don't think I don't think you'll see a lot. And there's no like surefire complete safety. I don't know how you want to view Isaiah Simmons, but assuming he's as linebacker, there's no like sure hit safety in this class. So that means I'd probably imagine that you might not see one come off the board until late in the first round or even in the second round.
0: You mentioned Isaiah Simmons, who is just lauded universally for his versatility. And rightfully so, you guys chart the fact that he's playing split safety, playing deep safety, playing linebacker on the line of scrimmage. To me, it's crazy to watch all the things that he can do. Who are some other guys that fans might not be familiar with that have maybe not similar versatility, but who are some of the players in this class that can give you multiple positions, maybe even from day one as a rookie? Yeah,
1: so one of my favorites, uh, I'll give you two guys who are kind of in a can do a lot of different things over the middle of the field coverage wise. Uh, Ameek Robertson from LA Tech, I think he's like, he, he falls in that category of a guy who probably GMs will love to draft in the fourth round. And that he's only 5'8, 187 pounds. He's tiny, but he plays way bigger than that. He played outside cornerback at LA Tech, probably gonna play uh, in the slot or like safety, kind of like maybe a Tyron Matthew role in the NFL. But I think he's gonna be able to do it because the way he plays, how physically he plays. And again, he can play line up pretty much anywhere in the middle of the field and cover guys. Has really good instincts. Had something like, he had uh, six, was it, 16 pass breaks, 16 interceptions in only three years there at uh, LA Tech. He was, a really, he was a ball hawk. So him and Kayvon Wallace from Clemson, very similar mold. Wallace is a little bigger. I think he's like six foot, 210. Uh, but he played like almost exclusively slot for Clemson. But he also then kind of – they moved guys all over this past year then in that Clemson defense in terms of their coverage responsibilities because they had guys like him and like Simmons who were just versatile. So I think he can even play some dime Linebacker, he's that sort of – he plays that physical. So I think he's another one I would want. and, and, you know, kind of a today's NFL sort of player.
0: You mentioned two players there that offer the ultimate juxtaposition in terms of small school, big school, big build, small build. Man, I liked watching Amik Robertson, that that Texas game. I'm sure everyone you've talked to has mentioned this play. I think it was Colin Johnson where it's like the second sap of the game and he just rocks Colin Johnson, who's got like six, seven inches on a man. It's, it's, it's fun to watch guys like that compete. So I, I like that guy a lot as well. I want to kind of go through a rapid fire here, position by position. You already mentioned quarterback, I think, at the top of the draft, tackle at the top of the draft as well. We already talked about quarterback. So why don't we go ahead and go back to the running backs and the running back class. I mean, this is a position that has been bandied about. I'm sure you being, being an analytics guy so much are maybe on one side of this fence, but where do you think the running back best value comes in this class?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be end of day two, early day three. You're going to see, to me, there's like a tier of about six to seven guys. And I'd even, I'd say seven because I'd throw Antonio Gibson in there talent wise, but I don't know what you do with them. But Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Zach Moss, DeAndre Swift, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Those six guys, if I'm coming away from the draft with one of those six, I'll feel really good. And so I think you can probably find one of those in the end of the third round.
0: Where do you think the first bat comes off the board?
1: I don't think it's going to be in the first round. But I do think it's like early day two.
0: Early day two. That makes sense. And probably the same story with receiver. You already mentioned the top three guys coming off the board. So we don't have to go into that too much. Tackles we talked about. How about the interior offensive line? Because this is a group that has a couple of strong centers. The guard class hasn't gotten much publicity. Where do you like the centers and guards in this class?
1: I don't I don't think I'd take any of these guys in the first round. But then I do think I'd, you know, in the middle of the second, guys like Caesar Ruiz, I think. I'd be more than willing to take in that sort of area. So I think there's I think there's a lot of interior office alignment on day two this year, whereas last year there was like a few good ones at the top, and then a lot of guys we saw as day three prospects. I think there's about 10 or so that I'd call day two sort of interior firm grades in that regard in that sort of area on the interior office line.
0: Okay, so you touched on cornerback and safety and probably linebacker as well, so we don't have to go into those. You talked about the edge class being Chase Young and then the rest of the group. Let's finish up with the interior defensive line. We know Derek Brown's up there, Javon Kinlaw. Where do you like the best spot to get one of those interior defensive linemen?
1: Yeah, so I, like I said, I think day two. So the Kinlaw and Brown, I think are going to get overdrafted because they're like in a tier on their own. Like They are head and shoulders above this class. So you're going to see them go probably top 10. And then after that, I would... I think I would wait until guys like Devon Hamilton from Ohio State in the second round, uh, the guys I touched on earlier, Ross Blacklock, Justin Medbuki, Neville Gallimore. They're the more they're more like three techniques. So if you need that in your defense, uh, I would just be happy getting one of those guys in the second round. If you need the nose tackle, Devon Hamilton, I'd just be happy getting him somewhere in the second round. That's where I think the, the value would be in this DT class.
0: Second round, Devon Hamilton?
1: Think he, I think he ends up going there, maybe maybe third, but I think somewhere in that regard.
0: I like hearing that because I you watch Ohio State play and they have so many talented defenders. It's, it's five-star after five-star on there. And you watch Hamilton and Reese at the line of scrimmage almost every single play he's out there, but I've seen him on boards in that third day. So it's I'm, I'm glad to hear you have that perspective on him in that second day. So he is Mike Renner, lead draft analyst at Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike, and you can pick up the PFF 2020 NFL Draft Guide Now, Mike, thank you so much, man. We learned a lot.
1: No, I appreciate you having me on, Travis. Thanks.
0: And away he goes. We're going to see about the rest of this week in terms of draft coverage. I'll probably do a mock draft roundup at some point this week, maybe answer some more of your questions on the Twitter mailbag. We do have plenty of more video content and written content coming out both on the Miami Dolphins socials, on YouTube, on MiamiDolphins.com. Of course, the virtual draft party on Thursday. We have the pregame show, which kicks off at 7.30 Eastern on the Miami Dolphins Facebook page. Do not forget to RSVP for that. Check that out. I'm going to be on there, John Jemmy, Kim Camper, and then once the draft starts starts at 8 o'clock Eastern. We're going to have coverage on there for you during the NFL draft as well. So do not forget to check that out and plenty of content post-draft. We're going to have each rookie on the Drive Time podcast to talk about them. It's going to be very similar to the free agent contract. I will do some research on their background, the character profile, the production profile, the scouting profile, everything you want to know about your new Miami Dolphins are going to be available on the Drive Time podcast throughout the course of the weekend and into next week. It's draft week guys we made it it's here but as for today's podcast that is going to be my time you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast or spotify wherever you get your podcast from go ahead and leave us a rating leave us a review helps us big time when you do that give me a follow on twitter it's at wingfield nfl follow the dolphins at miami dolphins the fish tank and the audible podcast both part of the official miami dolphins podcast network and of course MiamiDolphins.com. until next time Fins up.